Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Mr. Irrelevant. That's the name given to the last player chosen in the NFL draft. The one nobody really wanted. The one all the teams and all their experts passed over time and time again. The one no one really expects to make the team. He's too slow, too small, too raw, too unskilled, too this, too that. He lacks what is needed to succeed. Now, Sometimes players chosen late in the draft surprise, rise up, even become goats, but it's rare. Lately, though, this player, Mr. Irrelevant, has achieved a special kind of status. He's honored and given a sort of booby prize. The best player in college football is given the Heisman Trophy, which is a sculpture depicting a player in a classic football pose avoiding a tackle. Mr. Irrelevant is given the Lozman Trophy, which is a sculpture depicting a player fumbling the football. Now, for the chief priests and scribes, Jesus is Mr. Irrelevant. He is the stone that these builders rejected. The stone unfit for their building. Passed over time and time again. He doesn't have what they want or what they need. He isn't one of them. He isn't good enough. His teaching contradicts theirs. His actions go against and undo what they've worked so hard to build. He spends way too much time with tax collectors and sinners. He doesn't fit in. They don't want him around, but he won't go away. He has achieved a certain status among the people. They like him, but that makes him worse than a Mr. Irrelevant. That makes him Mr. Dangerous. So they're planning a prize for him, a booby prize, They're going to make him into a trophy by hanging him on a cross. Make him Mr. Crucified. The guy at the other end of the draft, though, the first player chosen in the first round, he's the man. He's the can't miss. He's the bigger, better, stronger faster, more skilled, more advanced, more successful than anyone else. He's the one everyone wants. That's Paul. He did everything right. He was the best of the best, 
the cream of the crop. As we heard, he was born into a good family and had a good pedigree. He was well-educated and excelled in his learning. He was a Pharisee's Pharisee, a Hebrew of Hebrews. He was more zealous than anyone. No one more zealous for keeping the law, knowing the law, honoring the law, and enforcing the law. No one more zealous for persecuting those who were against that law. He was blameless, perfect, a sure thing, head and shoulders above the rest. Hitch your wagon to Paul and you're going places. Hitch your wagon to Jesus and don't say we didn't warn you. But the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The first stone. The perfect stone. The most important stone. The stone everyone needs. The stone all others are measured against and built upon. The one you can't have a building without. Irreplaceable. And Paul... Mr. Pick One, Round One? Well, hear it in his own words. His words we heard today. But whatever gain I had, all the learning, all the status, all the trophies, all the renown, all the confidence, all the achievements, whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. I don't want him anymore. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. He's the one worth something, worth knowing, not me. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. All that I achieved, all that I had is garbage. It's nothing. So I gave it all up, threw it out all in the trash. In order that I may gain Christ and be found in Him. That's where I want to be found. Not at the top of any earthly list of great giant people. Be found in Him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, I had that. A righteousness that I did, that I achieved, and it looked good, and everything thought I was something. Even me. But I wasn't. What I needed was that righteousness that comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith. The righteousness of Christ that is a gift, that is, A gift from God. His forgiveness. That's what I needed. That I may know Him and the power of His resurrection. And that's power. Not when you can do something in this world, but when you can overcome death. That I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and may share in His sufferings Becoming like him in his death. 
Not be at the top of the heap, but at the bottom with Jesus. That by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. For the only way that's going to happen is if I am in Jesus and join him in his resurrection. That's what Paul said. Mr. First pick, first round. That's what Paul came to know and believe. That Jesus has turned the world upside down. Which really shouldn't be a surprise if we've been paying attention. Jesus has been saying it all along. The first shall be last and the last first. The proud will be humbled and the humble exalted. The strong are really weak and the weak are strong. Those who think they are something are nothing. And those the world thinks are nothing are something. So that the ways of God are the exact opposite of the ways of the world. That the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone shouldn't be a surprise. Though it is still hard to learn. And hard to live. To learn, live, and think upside down. Because we like the things of this world. And that's not wrong. It's not. When God created the world and the garden and he gave it all to Adam and Eve, it was good. And they delighted in it. And all the gifts that God gives to us, whether it's stuff or people or talents or abilities, that's all good too. And God wants us to delight in his creation and his gifts. They're all good. But there's a line. A line we can't cross. But we do cross. When our stuff, our lives, our abilities, our achievements, our friends and loved ones, our wants and desires become more important than God. When they come before Him. When what He wants and what we want conflict. And so we toss Him. We toss Him out of our vineyard. Oh, maybe not altogether for us, right? But out of this time or this portion of my life, the work part, school part, the fun part, this part or that part, so I can get what I want, so I can do what I want. But once you start down that road, like with the tenants in the parable Jesus told today, it's hard to stop. And maybe Jesus, who started out as Mr. Irrelevant for this part of my life, becomes Mr. Dangerous to that part of my life. Maybe this part, this part, And that parable doesn't end well, does it? That's the point. That's why Jesus told it. 
before it's too late. That we trip and fall now rather than be crushed later. That we repent now rather than be condemned later. That's what happened to Paul. As high as he was, pick one, round one, he had a hard fall and a lot to learn. But he realized that as much as he lost, he had gained even more. That the riches and fame of this world cannot compare to that which is to come, that which Jesus has in store for us. And so Paul went from being admired by all and the top of the heap to being threatened, sleepless, hungry, thirsty, cold, beaten, stoned, imprisoned, and near death. And yet he says, as we heard today, he has more now than he did before. For what he had before wasn't going to last. But what he had now, by faith, for he hadn't received it yet, but what he had now was going to last forever. Which brings us to you. It's easy to criticize the tenants in the parable for what they did. Take a look at your own life. When it comes to Jesus looking for fruit in your life. When what he says challenges what you're doing. And what you like to do and what you want to do. When what he says is ridiculed by the world and called hate speech. When following him means suffering, persecution, rejection, or even death. What gets tossed? Who gets tossed? Do we, too, do it at times? maybe even more than we want to admit. Reject the stone, the only stone upon which the only kingdom that will last forever is built because I don't want to lose my kingdom, my status, my pleasure, my privilege, my vineyard. Or there's plenty of time, I can do it later. Those are tough questions. Crushing Questions that we repent. Because the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. If we look up that verse where those words come from in Psalm 118, the next verse says this. This is the Lord's doing. This is the Lord's doing. And it is marvelous in our eyes. You see, this is how God is different than the owner of the vineyard in the parable. He knew Jesus was going to be rejected. He knew he was going to be killed and crucified. He didn't naively think, I will send my beloved son and they will respect him. No. He knew. He sent him to his death. To become our cornerstone in his life. To rise from the dead and provide life 
for all the world. It was not an accident or misfortune. It was the plan all along that we not be rejected but forgiven and in repentance and faith be built on him, on this cornerstone. Repentance and faith. Repentance that I am not a good stone, a perfect stone. I'm a cracked stone, a misshapen stone, one that's not good for building. But by faith believes that the stone, the builders of the kingdoms of this world reject me, are built on the cornerstone that was once rejected too. And now exalted. And this is the Lord's doing. And it is marvelous in our eyes. This is the Lord's doing in water and words and bread and wine. This is the Lord's doing in baptism and the gospel and the supper. This is the Lord's doing in building his church, not of the good and the worthy, but exactly those who know they're not. Folks like you and me in need of redemption, in need of a new life, in need of forgiveness. Folks, the world might think irrelevant, not worth much, if anything, even dangerous, but for whom Jesus was thrown out and laid down his life to raise us up, to make us something, the last first, the weak, strong, the unwanted, wanted, the sinful, forgiven. Paul thought he was doing pretty good, better than most. The tenants in the vineyard thought they could do better, have it all for themselves. What about you? How does your life look? This Lenten season bids us look to the cross and consider what can you do that's greater than what Jesus did for you? What can you be? What life can you possibly get that's greater than the life Jesus has for you? A life that's eternal. What praise can you get from the world that's greater than that? That revelation changed Paul's life and yours. So even if or maybe when the world throws you out of its vineyard, has no use for you, is even hostile towards you for who you are and for your faith, you're in good company. There's another one outside the vineyard too who wants you, who is waiting for you, who valued you so much. He died for you and has life for you. Come with me, he says. Take and eat, take and drink, he says. I forgive you, he says. I want you as my child. In my kingdom, you are not irrelevant to me.
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.